0: Are you looking for a way to dig into your world building for your story? Then I recommend that you check out my world building workbook for fiction writers, now available. It's at howtowritethefuture.com. Just head on over there, click, sign up, put your name and email, and there you go. That workbook will be delivered to your inbox straight away. Hey everyone, Barani here with How to Write the Future podcast. This is a podcast that offers tips and support for science fiction and fantasy writers, and actually writers of all kinds, who want to create positive, optimistic futures. Because I believe when we vision what is possible and we put that into our fiction, we actually help make it happen in the world. Because our readers read them, feel it, and it can change their outlook. And when your outlook changes, you can change how you operate in the world, how you behave, and how you think. I am a science fiction and fantasy author and writing coach and consultant. I work with individuals and organizations
1: to help bring stories to life. In previous episodes of How to Write the Future, I mostly shared my thoughts on various topics, helping fiction writers to build their worlds and edit and market now going forward, I am doing interview episodes where I will be talking to futurists, foresight practitioners, subject matter experts, and other people who can help us as fiction writers build better stories. Today is part two of my interview conversation with Melissa Clark Reynolds. Melissa works as a futurist foresight practitioner. She's particularly interested in the future of food and agriculture and climate. She also has a particular interest in pandemics, human and animal. She studied a mixture of anthropology, epidemiology, and environmental planning and has spent almost 30 years in software development, a whole lot of it thinking about predictive analytics and how we might use software to analyze both pandemics and water pollution and other kinds of pollution. So she has a background in tech and quite an eclectic brain. Melissa and I met at a futures course in the UK last summer offered by the School of International Futures. She currently lives in New Zealand. She has a very impressive CV that you can read in the show notes, and I know her as a friend, very insightful, very smart, and very warm. Today, I'm excited to bring with you our conversation on time, and she asked me why I love writing science fiction. Enjoy the show.
2: One of the cool things we did on that course was we did this time mind analysis where you look at your personality and you see whether you're more likely to be someone who spends their time thinking about the past more or whether they experience their life in the present more or -hmm. they experience their life in the future more. And it was of no great surprise to me that my orientation was to the future. Mm-hmm. And I think I've always been like that as an entrepreneur in software. I've always been wanting to create things that didn't exist. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it has been to help to model the future.
0: I'm curious for the mind time thing, if you also scored for any present time or past or all oh, of I
2: had all of them. And I think in a funny way, the thing that surprised me probably was that I was future first, past second, present third. And I think that kind of makes sense to me because quite a bit of working as a futurist is what I call looking back to look forward. Mm -hmm. So this idea of being very analytical about the past in order to understand patterns, particularly what's useful with the math that I've done and the anthropology is they're both pattern recognition kind of sciences, I guess you could call them, or methodologies. And so I think that we understand the future partially by looking at the past. Bill Gates really said it, but I like what he said, this idea that when we try to look forward two years, we massively overestimate the change that will happen in two years. And we underestimate the change that will happen in 10. And one of the things I find useful is to look back 10 Mm -hmm. and you go, oh my. God, so much has changed in that 10 years. You know, yeah. what am I wearing?
1: Mm-hmm. What,
2: what do my devices do? If I look in my backpack that I carry, and I've carried a backpack for like 30 years, these days I carry so many devices in there. So I find that interesting. Having said that, I probably carry two less than I did five years ago. <laughs> right. right. So it's an interesting, just little things like that. Did you have a landline in your home 10 years ago? Mm -hmm. We did not, but we were outliers 10 years ago not Mm -hmm. having a landline. 10 years ago, we'd already completely cut the cable. In fact, we cut 20 wow. years ago almost, yeah. yeah. And so my daughter is 22. We've only had a television in the house so that we can play PlayStation on it.
0: Oh, wow. You know,
2: we haven't ever had the television hooked up to a service.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so
2: you think about those, what you might be an outlier of 10 years ago may well have become mainstream now. So I think coming back to that question – I think that good futurists have got a good sense of the past as well. Hmm. I don't know. Where did you
0: fit? It was fascinating. I wasn't surprised. I was oriented mostly toward the future and then secondarily towards the present. And then the third was the past. I am fascinated by the past, the far past and the more recent past, especially more like 100 years plus in the past. And I find the recent history of the last 100 years, often very overwhelming emotionally, frankly. So it's just easier to look further back. And I'm fascinated by early human culture and all the new discoveries that seem to appear almost daily these days about that. Yeah, same. So both as a novel writer, a fiction writer, and as a systems thinker, like how are humans evolving? I look into the hidden past. What are the things that we don't know? Or where are the gaps in our stories? Where are the gaps in our knowledge? And also how is it that human... Culture doesn't get passed on as much. There are very few human cultures that really do a great job passing on stories from their ancestors. And actually, I heard a great interview recently with a woman who studies stories about the Aborigines of Australia and how they have carried on stories about the climate change from like ten thousand years ago, and how they have their very protective of their storytellers, and it was mind-blowing and beautiful, and also so telling of all the disruption that happens in human culture where stories don't get passed on. Yet some things do, like I'm mostly of Jewish descent. There are certain stories that have continued for quite some time, and then others that I'm completely lost. The religion remains, whereas the specific stories of why my great-grandparents immigrated, I don't have, or my great-great-grandparents on the other side of the family, I don't have. I have little tiny tidbits, but Yeah, I'm so focused on the future, but then I have a pretty strong grounding on the present. So I can be very practical about the present. And I've had one other family member take the test, my husband, and notice he is super oriented towards the past, super oriented towards the future, and very minimally towards the present, which is where he fills in the gaps where I kind of complement each other, especially with the past and the present. Yeah, it's fascinating. And his future orientation isn't really grounded in the present. It's grounded in his imagination, <laughs> as I see it, and yeah. which is perfect because he's a writer too. We should
2: put a link in the show notes. Absolutely. People yep. could do the test if they want. It's free. It's They're free.
0: It's such a simple test and a personal self-assessment. And it helps you, the way they describe the orientation that you have is also very insightful. I hadn't heard it described in that way. And now I use it when I work with writers and Noticing yeah. where they draw their inspiration, how they even think about the process of being creative. Uh, it's, it's such a lovely lens. I'm yeah. really
2: curious as to why you set your fiction in the future.
0: Oh, my goodness. Uh, well, to be fair, I have two other series, one set in a fantasy world, like a medieval set fantasy world, oh, yeah. and another set in contemporary times. So uh-huh. I'm actually all over the cool. place. Uh, okay. But yes, now uh, for the last six years, I've been working on my science fiction. Well, for one thing, I've always been fascinated by science fiction. I've always been drawn to it and not really understanding why, except that I noticed as a child that science fiction would be doing things that no other fiction was doing. They'd really be rearranging reality in some entirely different ways that I didn't see anywhere else. And so that, that was interesting to me. And then number two, I am interested in science. I was pre-med for a very long time. from age six to age 19. So I was studying science every single year of school. And I love to understand how things work. I've noticed I've always naturally thought about Well, what if it was this way? Or what if it was that way? You know, so I didn't even know it, but I was basically thinking like an an engineer and an inventor. And I didn't have the engineering background, so I didn't invent things except, well, stories. (laughs) I invented stories. So I get to apply that. And it makes me really, really happy to be able to be an inventor inside of storytelling, inside of my science fiction. And then also to be able to think about the future of humanity, which makes me excited. And I am trying to work out humanity's evolution in the next 100 years, because my stories are set 100 years from now. And she's working on a cold case in this current book I'm working on that happened 70 years previous to her, which is our future. So I'm setting it in like 2060 or something, that backstory, which I get to think about 100 years from now and like 40 years from now. And then I'm also doing, I'm doing backcasting, I'm sitting myself 100 years from now looking backwards, what would need to have happened for the state of the world to exist as it does in the contemporary moment of my character story. And I have a lot of fun doing that and I nice. think at the same time I'm also writing murder mysteries. So that's a whole other yeah. like layer of storytelling that is not so charming and it's not so exciting, but is just as intriguing to me people's bad behavior, how do those get solved? How can I make up very difficult mysteries that my investigator has to solve which involves things that we have to use today, things that we already use and problem solving and solving crime. And I get to invent technology for crime (laughs) solving as well, which is like five steps beyond what we have now. And to that end, I actually have been studying the history of criminology and the history of forensics and and, finding it so fascinating and learning about who inspired Sherlock Holmes. That was a real person that Conan Doyle was inspired by, who were the early detectives, investigators, a lot of the French were far ahead of everyone else, what they were doing, and all the specifics about that. And then also studying like, what are the enduring aspects of crime solving that are going to have to be in play no matter if your tech is working, and if your tech isn't working.
2: Yeah,
0: (laughs) Um, And so science fiction allows also for me to explore different cultures set at the same time because I'm putting these space stations around the planet and beyond and each one is can set up their culture the way they want and so I'm having fun playing with that because I want cool. to explore human behavior human systems different structures and what would happen if this is the favorite writer's tool is what if you know what would happen if xyz situation What if there was a space station much closer to the sun? How would the technology of that affect who the people were? And then there's a lot of factors in play that I'm thinking about. So there's something so, I don't know how to say, just alluring about science fiction. And I've seen so many different stories that use science fiction to explore, obviously, where we are today. And there's something always very surprising about them. I just really enjoy it. And then just the romance, the adventure aspect of it. I could do it at any era, but I'm very future focused. So so I've said it with some advanced space travel and things like that, that nice. intrigue me. And I think the final component that, it, that intrigues me for the kinds of stories I'm writing is I'm writing a lot of stories set around the planet Earth. And so I'm thinking about Earth as a globe. And I'm thinking about all the different climatic changes that might happen. And I'm in love with planet Earth, because I'm thinking about it all the time from this um, what they call the overlook perspective, you know, what astronauts get to see when you get to see the whole planet, it, and then just awe at, it's just amazing that we exist. And then you look out toward the stars and, and you're like, wow, that's amazing too. But We seem to be the only life forms that we know about. And so there's a, a certain preciousness too about what I'm creating, and it, it gives me hope. And that's also why I work on it.
2: Yeah. I love that. Thank you for that answer. And it reminds me of Carl Sagan talking about the small blue planet. I was a tiny child when that first photo of Earth from space was taken. And I think there's something about being born around that time. I do believe that that photo of the small blue planet really changed the consciousness of how we see our planet. And so you see how small we are, how big the universe is, mm-hmm. yeah. um, how precious that life on the planet really is. So I just loved what you had to say there. Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's so wonderful. Well, I know we might want to wrap it up for this time. Yeah. Thanks everyone for listening right. and until next time. Thank you so much everyone for listening to my podcast your interest and feedback is so inspiring to me and helps me know that I'm helping you in some small way. So write long and prosper. Are you stuck and overwhelmed by world building? Then check out my new world building workbook for fiction writers.
1: Head over to howtowritethefuture.com and sign up for yours today.